Hey, what's up everybody? Kevin here for Turn One Soul Ring. Please remember to rate, review, and comment on our content wherever you listen to the show. It really helps us out. We appreciate each and every one of you. Now let's get to the show. Turn One Soul Ring. Ready? Are you scatty? No, not. You know, Eric's not scatty, but he's ready. <laughs> Oof, so glad I switched to a laptop. Now I can be like you guys. Isn't it nice? And you've got that big, pe- that big trackpad. Oh yeah, I, I got this that'll... tiny trackpad. Eric's using a mouse. I love yeah, because so trackpads are shit. Oh, not Apple ones. No, they're yeah. still shit. No, they're great. No, this, a this mouse. Trackpad's, this trackpad's great because it doesn't, it doesn't register a click until you actually press. Yeah. Sure, but yeah. still, using a mouse so like, over a trackpad in any situation is better. Fuck you. <laughs> but also, that mouse can't track side to side, and an Apple mouse can. What do you mean? Which makes it like scroll so scroll side to side. side. I mean, so if, if, if you too, have a like document a... or anything <laughs> that you want to go side to side instead of just up Woo! and down, that can't go side to side. I just oh, press. Yeah, but just... with, with an Apple mouse or a trackpad, you don't need to do that. Sure, but I can just press the shift button and then do it. Yeah. Well, Understand your goal. That's just, that's, that's just extra, which makes it worse. <laughs> gives me more, it gives, but, me, but it gives do, me more control. Can you do this? Oh, hang on. No, it just makes well, you work harder. No, it can you do this. Of course, it makes you work harder because in my situation, I'm using one hand and yeah. I can use this hand for whatever else I want, or nothing. You're using two hands, which is do more you work. Want to jank them out? <laughs> but it's still giving me Sorry, like I'm yeah. Zooming in it. You don't have the freedom of movement with a trackpad, though. You know, but with an Apple mouse, you have the mouse and oh, you have the trackpad yeah. on the mouse. On as the well. mouse too. So you have a trackpad with your index finger, and then you have the mouse. Also, you don't have all those moving parts. Ooh. Yeah, moving parts are good. Yeah, fuck yeah, moving parts. Don't need those moving parts. Ooh. Yeah. And that, that and that like that sound. Ooh. It's like a cheap sound. Oh, it's so nice having that nice tactile feedback. Well, uh, and like the Apple like, Mouse, it, it's a different click sound. It's it, but like that that mouse sound. It's it's so. Ooh, it's like cheap sounding. The, the interesting thing about this trackpad is it's not a phys- like it feels like like click it. It feels like a physical click, right? Yeah. But it's not. It's, well, it's just it's, the haptic feedback. Yeah, yeah it's the haptics. And it's, like, and it's like the button on newer iPhones. Yeah. Or the, you know, they don't have buttons anymore, yeah. but the newer phones or the like slightly... The, the 7 and the 8. Yeah, they have the click, but when the yeah. phone is off, you don't feel that. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy times. Yeah. Ooh, boy. Mm. All right. Well, we've been recording this whole time. Oh, oh sweet! Right. Arguing about uh, uh, which is which is better. <laughs> <clears throat> but uh, we're gonna get to the show now. Okay, great. You guys ready? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, welcome to another episode of Turn One Soaring. I'm Kevin, and I'm Eric, and I'm Riley. Nice, hey, Riley. Whoa. Yes, guest host <laughs> Riley is joining us again to enlighten us about the limited format. Eric's gonna enlighten us as well. I don't have a lot to add here. Well, I enjoy limited. I do. Yeah. I hope I, I can, you know, impart some wisdom. Hope, <laughs> let's hope so. Um, so, how's everybody doing today? Good. Feeling pretty good. Yeah. Eric's feeling good. Riley's feeling good. I am still alive. There you go. And you're you're breathing well. Yeah. You just That's had some, some decongestants. Yeah. Decongestants. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> just get the hand. <laughs> I can breathe out of my nose. It's That's miracle. right. Yeah, you got it. Uh, so before we move on to magic news, Eric, how can listeners get in touch with us on social media? 
they can always find us at turns turn one soul ring the podcast on instagram uh you can message us at turn one soul ring the podcast at gmail.com you can message us directly that way and then you can also find us on youtube by searching turn one soul ring the podcast uh make sure to search up the podcast as well to find us and we do respond to all comments yeah good or bad check it out yeah also anywhere you can find your podcasts we should be there that's right there shouldn't be any bad comments right well, you know, we do get a little divisive sometimes talking about mouses and trackpads, but nothing and related so pe- to magic. Pe- people want to get in on that too, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do. They Let do. us know. But when it comes to Tra- magic, no, we're completely yeah, on point. Let's know. <laughs> um, now that's out of the way, though, let's move on to something noteworthy in the world of magic. Eric, I believe you had something you wanted to... Uh, you had a little tidbit is a little tidbit. Used. So yeah. since uh, our episode is about limited... Uh, there's something limited going on on MTGO. So from March wow, 18th until April 1st, uh, Vintage Draft or Vintage Cube is online. Yeah, man. Get your vintage in. That's right. Yeah. It is. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I've definitely already dived in, played one. What did you play? Uh, the you, main, what did you draft? The main part of the deck was to, um, what's that card? I don't know. You got to tell us. I just had it in my head too. Shoot. Uh, but basically, I had Progenitus. Okay. <laughs> like a that sne- was a sneaking show or something that, like that. That was in the deck. Uh, and then Natural Order. Okay. Yeah, because okay. that's a tutor as well. So you sack a green creature, grab a green creature out of deck, and put it on the battlefield. Yeah. So we could do things like, and I got two pieces of power Mox Emerald and Mox. What's the Mox Jet? Sapphire? Or is bl- black? black is Jet. Jet? Black yeah. Is jet. yeah. So I had two of those. So probably the coolest play was I had a turn one uh, and played um, Mox Jet and a Forest, and then I got to Green Sun Zenith for a Mana Dork. Turn two, Natural Order the Mana Dork, get Progenitus out of the deck. Yeah, that will, that oh. will win. Nice. <laughs> so I mean, gross. Have an it's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the opponent presumed to scoop the game. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. so much fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's really spicy. Big, powerful stuff. Yeah, so get on that if you're on NGO. Is it, and did you do that Phantom? It's always yeah. Phantom. It's always yeah. Phantom? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just cracking Black Lotuses. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and what, is, what does that cost? Like that Phantom Draft or Phantom Vintage Cube? So they cost, it costs 10 tickets or um, 100 play points. Um, a ticket is $1 US. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So if you played a lot, you can just get in with play points. Um, but then, yeah, it's like 10 bucks US to end up doing a Vintage Cube. Yeah. It's always a good time. Yeah, and if you, uh, it's three rounds. Uh, if you go, oh three, you don't get anything. One and two, you get fifty play points. Two one, you get hundred play points. And then three oh, you do get one hundred fifty play points and a little treasure chest to open up and get actually get cards. Cool. So if you at least go two one, you can still just keep going. Yeah. 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 And in in real life, if you just know somebody that has a vintage cube, you can just play for free. You can just play it over yeah. and over <laughs> again. Yeah. I wish I was friends with somebody who owned a vintage cube. Well, we have a friend that has a legacy cube. Yeah, Plus, you could right? just do proxies. Yeah, yeah, I yeah guess you, you can, can just do proxies, that, which right? is like... But that would be fun. You could get, like, nice, like, foil proxies. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen some, some Yeah, because, nice like, ones. Rylan, he has a legacy cube, but he has, like, nice. the dual lands and stuff are all, like, proxy cards, because they're obviously... Yeah, and we, we had an opportunity to play this modern cube as well, right? That was his legacy cube. That was, that was his, his legacy, legacy cube. cube. Yeah. It felt like a modern cube, because there's... Crater Hoof and 
Well, I, I guess I was killing people with Creator Oath. But. Yeah, I think you. <laughs> yeah, and you also yeah, have like an Elspeth. Yeah. Uh, Sun's <laughs> champion. Some jank, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's terrible. <laughs> Tooth and nail crater hoof with uh, uh, Hornet Queen. That was, that was fun. Yeah, I was trying to like entomb uh, Worm Coil Engine and then Animate Dead Worm Coil Engine. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to the main topic here. Uh, we're talking about Limited today. And uh, in case you don't know, um, Limited formats are so-called because they require players to build their decks from a more limited pool of cards than constructed formats. <clears throat> limited formats require players to open a specified number of magic products, then they must work exclusively with the cards to come up with from that product. Um, but like we were talking about with Cube, it's not just opening cards, it's any kind of... Um, draft setting or any any time you're working from a limited pool of cards yeah <clears throat> so yeah we have booster draft we have sealed and there are also various forms of draft formats right like we talked about cube and i've also um you know there's rochester draft which is sort of the um inception of the draft format it's what r&d did originally when the game was brand new and they also have done that at some bigger tournaments yeah yes yeah <clears throat> something kind of interesting about the limited format that i didn't really think about i knew this when i started doing re research for this episode but i didn't really think about it is you can have uh, there's no limit to the amount of duplicates you can have in a deck correct yeah. Mm -hmm. The only exception I can think of is uh, the card Seven Dwarves from Throne of Eldraine. Because Seven Dwarves specifically mentions that you can have up to uh, seven copies of Seven Dwarves in your deck. Right. So it's, it's like one of the few cases where it actually puts a cap on the amount of cards that you can have in <laughs> yeah. the deck. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So yeah. in that super rare case, yeah. you would actually see eight. Yeah. Can't take that eighth one. <laughs> otherwise, all your cards are basically like... Um, like rat colony like yeah. you can have as many copies as you mm -hmm. end up drafting right or, or cracking open your sealed pool <clears throat> yeah and the thing about uh I, I i looked into rochester drafts a little bit and um it's a draft format where one booster is opened at a time instead of every player opening their own pack the 15 cards are laid out on the table and players are given about 20 seconds to re review their choices after that players take turns picking one card at a time to build their decks. So the greatest difference between booster draft and Rochester format is that the it's the amount of information available yeah. to players. It's sort of like a telepathy effect. <clears throat> so players are aware of the cards in their opponent's decks and they can perhaps be able to handle them better. However, most critics cite draft lengths as Rochester draft's greatest problem. So just... Takes a lot longer. Yeah, you're doing one pack at a time with like yeah. eight people. Mm -hmm. Twenty-four packs. Yeah, it's gonna take a while. while. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, and apparently this this form of draft was first used to showcase the game of Magic back in 1993 in Rochester, New York. So Yo, that's where the name that's cool. comes from. Yeah. Did not know that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fun fact. The more yeah. you know. 
<laughs> yeah, and in case you don't know, a limited deck uh, has to contain a minimum of 40 cards. There's no maximum deck size. Like in all other formats of Magic except Commander. Yep. Uh, funny thing about Pokemon, going a little off topic here. Uh, you know I love me some Pokemon. I know you do. I know you do. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if that's like a weird thing about having children. You start to think about Pokemon more. Yeah. Well, <laughs> because like, you they're know. They're cute. They, they're cute. I think they just lend themselves more to a younger audience. For sure. So like, you know, I want to get Violet into, you know, I want her to be interested in whatever she's interested in. But, but mainly magic. Mainly magic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or just games in general. But I think like Pokemon's a good stepping stone. Yeah. But anyways. Um, the, what's interesting about Pokemon that I didn't know, I don't know if this is interesting, but there you it, 60 cards that's it you can't have more you can't have less yeah. you gotta have 60 across the three main formats that's it but i think i think that's a good starting block for for like young kids or anybody coming into the trading card game uh environment like really it's in Pokemon, of course, they force you to have that 60 card limit mm-hmm. but in constructed like if you're playing standard you should try to, as much as reasonably possible, unless there's some weird reason you're not, you should really try to stick to that 60 cards. Absolutely. It, 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 I mean, like, it's all about variance, right? Like, you want to be able to draw your powerful spells. So the more cards you end up slotting into your deck above 60, the more variance there's going to be and the less often you're going to see those cards. Yeah, and it's the same thing with Hearthstone. Like, you have to have a 30-card deck. If you have less than a 30-card deck, you don't get to, you can't play that deck. You know, in the in the digital uh, client, so uh, you know there are no restrictions on the number of cards. Um, it's, uh, well, I guess talking about this, the the sideboarding aspect of limited. So in limited, in a in a draft setting, you would draft forty five cards. Any cards that don't end up in your playable deck are your sideboard. Yep. Yep. And you can swap out any number of those. So. It, it, from that perspective, you do have a lot more leeway in terms of your sideboard. You can almost build two different decks with two different strategies. Probably shouldn't, but probably shouldn't. You no. can. You're absolutely right. <laughs> I've definitely been in a scenario where um, after my first round, I just had a second look at my deck and, and the available cards I had, and basically built a different deck. And that, that was in sealed, right? Like so, sealed is a little bit more spread out as, as far as what available options you have, but I've definitely taken some more drastic measures in cases like that. Not that it's necessarily recommended. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so, like, that's um, that's that's uh, interesting that you mentioned that um, because I sort of want to talk about what what is what it's better for a new player, sealed or draft? Ooh. Um, I want to say sealed. I think sealed because, uh, like... <clears throat> You have less choices to make in sealed, um, and you you don't need to be as aware of the the set. The yeah, sets. less like, aware of the set. And, yeah, and like all the information of... you need is just in front of you, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. Open your packs. There's your cards. Boom. Yeah. So you know, see how many colors you have. See how many playables you have. I mean, if, if you're a newer player, you may not necessarily know how to evaluate the cards in that format. It's um, by rarity. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you can see how many colors you have, you know, what kind of removal you have in your available colors, and maybe try to lean more into those colors and, and build a deck around that. 
Um, so yeah, I definitely think sealed is a little bit more accessible to a newer player. Um, but like any format in Magic, it's going to take time to learn it, and it's gonna—it's it, a skill, right? Like to to play sealed and to evaluate yeah. a sealed pool or to draft and and play uh, in a draft format. It's going to be a skill that you need to develop over time. So I think you just have to be patient with it overall. Mm-hmm. Riley, you had some notes here. Do we kind of want to go through those? Because that, that's sort of why we have you on the show is, is sort of your guide to limited. Sure. And uh, when we're talking about this guide to limited, I'm focusing a lot more on draft. I like to draft. That's that's my favorite format. I mean, Commander is a close second, but drafting is, is definitely where um, I love to, to play Magic and spend most of my time in magic. Yeah. So when you're talking about draft or you're talking about limited in general, I think a first thing, a first step to ask yourself is what is your goal? What do you want to get out of the format? What do you want to get out of that experience? Like, do you want to go into the scenario or into your games wanting to win, wanting to go three and O or four and O or whatever your local game store, how many, however many rounds you have at your local game store. Like, do you want to, walk out of the door with all the prizes at the end of the day? <laughs> or are you looking to put together some sort of janky combination and just see what works? Because I've definitely been on both ends of the spectrum. Uh, like, more often than not, I enjoy winning. Like, it's, it's just part of the game. Like, you, you know, It feels you, good to win. Yeah, yeah, you play the game in a 1v1 to win, right? Like, at the end of the day, that's, that's kind of what you're there for. But sometimes it's nice to just, you know, see one card go by. And think, oh, you know, I could probably do something spicy with this, and then see another card go by and be like, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely jumping into this, <laughs> and just put together some sort of stupid janky combination that really shouldn't work, but you've managed to to pull out of your hat. So, it's a good starting place just to ask yourself, like, what do you actually want? What is going to be the most satisfying experience for you at the end of the day when you walk away? And then, as far as before you even go to the event, um, before the draft educate yourself. So if you are looking to win, if you are looking to improve yourself, not only uh, your drafting skills, yeah, like actually like do better. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it, a, a good place to start. And, and I do it all the time is I like to learn about the format or learn about the set that I'm going to be drafting. That that's particular that's, limited format. Yeah. Yeah. So for example, Theros beyond death is the current standard limited format basically. Mm. Yeah, if you go to a local game store, that, that is That's what you're going to be drafting. Yeah, exactly. So um, leading up to the new set coming in, and even during the set, I like to stay on top of what strategies are out there, what cards are generally favorable in different strategies, um, what kind of signals I might be expecting to see in yeah. a draft to see you know if I should stick to what I'm trying to do or if I should switch. And, and if it would be beneficial just based on the information I'm seeing as packs are going by. Mm-hmm. But there, there's many of there's many resources out there as far as how you can educate yourself. Um, one of my favorites is Limited Resources. Uh, the current hosts on Limited Resources are Marshall Sutcliffe and uh, Louis Scar- Scott Vargas, LSV. Yeah, LSV. And those guys get into the nitty-gritties of Limited in general and into the specific sets. So as you're following and listening to their podcast, um, they'll talk about the specific set that is relevant. So Theros Beyond Death, for example, or mm-hmm. they might even, they've talked a little bit of, even about mystery booster drafts. 
not extensively because that's a huge ass set. Yeah. <laughs> there's only like 1,600 cards. Yeah, plus you know a foil sheet of about <laughs> 200 extra. Um, but they they talk about their own theories behind limited and how they evaluate cards and they break it down into um, you know digestible pieces so that you can kind of understand what their rationale is behind how they draft and how they play in a limited format. And then you get to hear about, you know, um, they'll do a crack pack. So they'll crack open a pack and kind of flip through the cards and, and say, okay, what would I pick out of this pack? And they'll talk about the context of where you're at in the draft. Not only, like, I honestly, I, I really believe that your first pick in the draft, that, that pack one, pick one, is probably the least useful pick that you'll make in that draft. Yeah. And, and, and that's an easy trap to fall into. Because yeah. You'll, oh, yeah. You'll likely crack that spicy rare that you're like, holy crap, this thing is a bomb, and I'm going to want to jam it into this deck, so I'm going to force, force it. I'm going to force <laughs> it as hard as I can. Yeah. But more often than not, that is the wrong decision to make, and you kind of just have to suck it up and, and move on. So honestly, half, half the time, and I don't necessarily think this is a good practice, like I think you should be you know, taking good cards, good playable cards as much you know as is available to you but sometimes i'll just use my pack one pick one to get a nice commander staple that i'm excited for right? sure you and me both i mean it's, it's basically not? a throwaway anyway so yeah which is a really uh, great way to think about it yeah yeah so don't don't invest in in those early picks um but we'll, we'll definitely get into that a little bit more as we talk about what what strategies to look for during the draft so limited resources is one of my favorite um, also for limited resources, I have to say that they're like, if you're one of those ones that want to go and play like the pre-release and play the draft like day one and stuff, yeah. they do really good extensive deep dives on like the, uh, the sets themselves when they're fully spoiled. Yeah. 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 And, 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 and they like to break down the set as it's spoiled or once the full spoilers are out, they'll, they'll kind of go through and they'll do like some loose evaluations on each card in the set and yeah. kind of give you their thoughts. But those evaluations change over time as well because they necess- they haven't as- you, actually had a chance to play with the cards Exactly. Yet. You don't know exactly everything that a card can do sometimes. And sometimes when you play with it, you notice new things and stuff. Yeah. And then so they, again, will bring up. Yeah, yeah. there's different synergies. So as you kind of listen throughout the weeks as they produce more episodes, you'll kind of see how their evaluations will change. And um, they'll, they'll even go back and say, was this undervalued? Was this overvalued? What do we think about this now? Yeah. as things kind of pop up. So it's it's definitely one of the best uh, sources of, of information for Limited. Mm-hmm. But Channel Fireball, um, Luis Scarp Vargas works for Channel Fireball. He does his limited set reviews on paper. Uh, so he'll have a series of articles that come out that break down those um, those evaluations uh, when a new set comes out as well. So if, if you want to look at, at a glance, what uh, Luis thinks about a certain card, he breaks that all down. Uh, Tularen Community College, the professor, has a number of series based around Limited, and, and some of those videos are a little bit older, um, but there's still some good stuff in there, especially for newer players. It's very accessible. Um, some, and those are very in, like, bite-sized chunks as well. Like, yeah. They're a good, like, 15, 20 minutes. Like. Yeah. And he has he has uh, his tutor series as well, which which talks about uh, a number yeah, of Yeah, different... Wins, I think it's called, right? I think that's the one where he just rants... Yeah. About things, but the he has a like a Tolarian tutor series where he, he basically they're like mini classes, so to speak. Okay. So he, he does them on a, a number of different formats, but limited and included. And he'll talk about things like um, 
what do you need to consider if you're looking to splash a card? Like how many sources do you need if you want to splash a third color? Um, so at the very least, if you're splashing one color, uh, you need at least three sources in your, in your mana base. So um, probably more if you can get away with it. It would be more consistent that way, but at the very least, three sources is kind of mm -hmm. what you're looking for. Yeah. But you can have a, a look at the set yourself. Like go through the card list, have a look at what things do. You could look at like the overall, like the average power and toughness to cards to kind of see, okay, if this removal cares about dealing three damage, like how many targets are feasible? Like, yeah, even looking yeah. at things like that can give you a little bit of an edge as well. Absolutely. And, like, uh, for example, speaking of Theros, you could see that a lot of creatures have, like, small toughness, big... Or, sorry, small power, big toughness. And you're like, okay, yeah. a lot of, like, the combat is going to be a little more stalemate -y, more double blocks happening and stuff because of how a lot of the creatures are positioned. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Pre-evaluate the cards. So, basically, take all that information that you've gathered, look at the cards... Kind of give your own evaluation to those. Um, consider what kind of format you're in. So if you're in drafting Theros Beyond Death or whatever format's currently out there, um, is it a standard set that you're drafting? Is it a chaos draft? So everybody's bringing different packs to the table. I mean, for chaos drafts, uh, there's a whole... <laughs> you can't really educate yourself beforehand. <laughs> Not really. Aside, by, aside uh, to just sticking to the basics, like drafting, looking for that removal looking for card advantage, um, looking for things that just affect the board state, looking for ways to fix your mana. Um, I find I find fixing your mana in Chaos Draft can be valuable because you never know what kind of janky card that somebody else can't play, but maybe you can play because you've focused a little bit yeah. on fixing your mana. That's a really good tip, actually. Uh, or if you're playing Cube. so Cube's a big one for that. Yeah, Cube, cube yeah. is huge to... Like, um, I mean, Limited Resources has a few episodes on, on Cube as well. Um, and what LSV stresses is, is that you should really focus on that, that low mana um, interaction. So having your curve as, as low as possible. Um, or having cards that are, have powerful effects at a low cost so that you can basically prepare yourself or protect yourself to the point where you can get to that late game. Mm -hmm. um, and a big thing for like newer players I think as well in cube is that like um, they don't want to pick the lands because it's not the card that does something Yeah. but if you get a fetch land or you get in those dual lands that's actually like sometimes you want to pick that yeah it opens up so many more doors and oh so yeah many more directions that you can go because um, having the lands to be able to play spells is how you play magic yeah and if we're talking about something like vintage cube yeah those that cube is packed full of powerful cards throughout magic's history so you're bound to find something that is going to help you win the game. Uh, and if you focus a little bit more on, you know, making your game plan work a little bit more efficiently or protecting yourself in that early game to make sure you're not dying on, you know, turn three, uh, <laughs> that, that's going to go a long way as to uh, get you more wins in the end. Very yeah. much so. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, why don't we talk a little bit about during the draft? Sure. So... It's my favorite part. During the draft, or let's, uh, for those of um, who haven't maybe even drafted before at all, um, going into draft, how it starts off, uh, you get seated around a table, there's eight of you, everyone gets three packs. Ideally eight of you. Ideally. Ideally. Sometimes there's less, <laughs> sometimes there's more. Um, <laughs> and then you're going to open your first pack, you're going to take a card, and you're going to pass it on, and that's going to go until all the packs are opened. 
Uh, and usually how things go is you're gonna pass the first pack, you're always gonna pass left. Second pack, you always pass the right. Third pack, you always pass the left again. Mm-hmm. Um, this may seem like very simple information, but even like for myself, I went and drafted the mystery booster and there were people who weren't paying attention and the draft got messed up and people didn't get the proper amount of cards because people weren't paying attention to how you're supposed to just do the actual draft. It's like left, right, left, 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 right, left. Like, it, <laughs> But you just need to pay attention to the first three. The rest just concerns if you're in the military. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, um, and then, yeah, I liked your first point. Like, don't get attached to your first pick. Yeah. Um, I think that's a really big thing to try and, like, get over. And sometimes with, like, your first pack, you can just, like, really pick. If you pick, like, different color cards for your first three packs, that's not, like, the end of the world. No, so, you can change gears in pack two. Yeah. 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 Probably still make out with a, a decent deck. Yeah. If you're changing gears pack three, that's a little... Yeah, you're living you're not, on the yeah. edge. <laughs> <laughs> living in the fridge. <laughs> Uh, and then just to like touch on the colors like we were saying um two colors is like good it is possible to splash a third don't be scared if you maybe have some like really prime removal cards in a different color something like that it is possible to in limited like actually play a third color it is a little bit more difficult and if you are planning to do this fixing is a big thing as well for sure and in the in the sets where you know, in the basic land slot, you have a dual land like Ravnica or, mm-hmm. or the Khan's block. You know, it's much easier to be able to play those cards and those sets support that because those are also sets that have a lot more dual colored cards. Exactly. And a lot of the times, like, um, Watsi will make sure to put in cards for mana fixing. There's usually a gold land you're going to have to, like, pay a mana to tap it to make a color of any mana but yeah, that, that's something yeah you card. can filter and stuff like that stuff exists usually or there's always those those artifacts artifacts that, like, yeah. that let you you know pay one search for a basic land put it in your hand yeah right yeah, yeah. one sacrifice yeah. yeah yeah so that's like traveler's amulet in yeah. theros beyond death mm-hmm. totally i mean uh theros beyond death also has um the scry lands at rare so yeah. sometimes those will be passed to you because people don't necessarily prioritize those lands, I mean, they're not necessarily inherently valuable by any means. They're a couple bucks, so I don't think people are scared to pass them. They yeah. really needed a reprint, though. <laughs> they're no, dying. They're... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, but yeah, for sure, if, if you are looking to splash, then hopefully you can get a, a, a land that helps you do that. But otherwise, like, if you're just looking to splash uh, one card of a different color outside of the two colors that you're already drafting, uh, just... Think about like having at least three sources of, of, of that mana. So you have to think about how that impacts your, your primary game plan as well. Because if you are, you know, starting with 17 lands, for example, and using uh, three, three of those slots for your splash color, that leaves seven other lands for your other available colors, which is fine. Like if you have an even split of your other two colors, that's yeah. fine. But if, you, if you're a little bit, say you're black-green and you're a little bit weighted towards black, and you find that you need to run a couple extra swamps, uh, you don't necessarily want to cut too low on your forest to the point where now it's it's difficult for you to get your green sources. So you really have to kind of balance. It's, it's a tough balance, though. If you are split evenly, 
You can probably get away with, you know, throwing in, you know, three mountains uh, yeah. to splash red. But otherwise, hopefully you have that fixing, that traveler's amulet, that um, unknown shores, uh, or whatever, just to, to help splash. Assuming that it's a powerful enough card that it's worth splashing, because sometimes it's not even worth it. it. You are better off just playing, like, a playable in that slot. And sticking with the two colors. Yeah, yeah, just to keep it more consistent. And the other thing sometimes you have to watch is, like, sometimes people will have their cards and they'll just count the colored pips on all the cards. Yeah. But then in a situation where you have three colors and you're cutting colors of... Um, you're cutting, like, more force, like you were saying. Yeah. But it's, like, a lot of your force cards are at the low end, but you have more high-end black... Um, a problem with that is then you're not going to have the green mana to play your lower cost spells early in the game sure. because you have less of a variance chance to pick up those cards as well. Yeah. So it's not just about how many colored pips are in there. It is also like, when am I going to draw these cards? When am I going to have to play these cards? Yeah. yeah so. so you kind of have to consider your curve in the in the context of like, how is your mana base split? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is very much a format that's determined by rationality mm -hmm. and less by emotion. I know this is the game that is based very much in making the right decisions when deck building and not bringing emotion into it, but this format specifically, you do need to be cutthroat in the math and how you build your deck. And you can't be like, oh, this card's like almost there. You don't want to be almost there. Yeah. You need to be there. Yeah. And sometimes people are like, oh, I really like these cards. I'm I'm going to run 42 cards, you know? But you still keep 17 lands in there. And now that's, again, no. shifting the yeah. percentage yeah. to draw cards. And All right. For anybody looking to draft, I strongly urge you to stick to 40 cards. I mean, there's few circumstances where you would go above that. But if you do go above that, you need to adjust your mana base to compensate for that. But just... As a rule of thumb, to keep it simple, stick to 40 cards, please. Please. <laughs> Just stick to 40. You're going to have a better time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 40 cards, 17 lands, you won't go wrong. If you're in an aggressive deck, you might be able to cut it down to 16 lands. Um, but more often than not, limited is just some sort of gray area of mid-range. So stick to 17 lands, 40 cards in your yeah. deck, and you'll be, you'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so the next bit you have here is uh, cabs versus bread. Do you want to uh, get into this? Yeah, so cabs is this, um, it, it, going back to limited resources, this is uh, the terminology that they use. It's cards that affect the board state. So this is kind of like the, the bare bones, um, kind of like the, the foundation of limited or how you should be focusing on drafting in limited. Bread, on the other hand, this is a term that's thrown around. And I mean, like, we talked about Tolarian Community College. One of uh, the professor's videos talks about bread. This is bombs, removal, evasion, abilities, and dirt, or, or um, whatever. It's just everything else that's there, right? Right. Uh, and that, that's kind of, like, bread is kind of suggesting that you should prioritize bombs before removal and removal before evasion and, uh, and evasion before abilities, etc. But... Cards that affect the board state is really just having a look at how you evaluate your cards in that if you're going to pick that card, how does it impact the game? So if, 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 you know, if you've got a 2-2 creature for 2, that's going to affect the board state by putting a body on the battlefield 
and providing you with two power and two toughness, right? So that's affecting the board state in, in a, a meaningful way. You know, early game, that 2-2 two, two for two is a pretty decent card. Um, but if you have a card that, you know, doesn't necessarily affect the board state, it might draw you a couple cards or it might um, change the scenario in a niche setting. Uh, I can't really think of an example. Maybe uh, one example is... If, if you play like Ill-Gotten Inheritance, it's four mana for enchantment, doesn't do anything right away. Sure. And then when your opponent plays creatures... Yeah, it doesn't yeah. necessarily affect the board state. I mean, Ill-Gotten Inheritance was a good card in its own right. Yeah, it um, was. <laughs> for enabling... Uh, what was what was it? Spectacle? Spectacle. For enabling Spectacle and did help kind of swing swing your life. So I'd, I'd say Ill-Gotten Inheritance uh, did kind of affect the board state, but not necessarily if you're behind on board, right? Because if they have creatures and you're like, I have this four-man enchantment, you're like, well, I'm still getting hit right. in the face. You're pass, right? After yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, cards that affect the board state, whether they're putting creatures on your board or taking creatures off your opponent's board, um, that's kind of just the, the bare bones, like thinking about how you're going to ultimately play out your your game plan don't get necessarily too splashy don't put any uh don't put in too many abilities like i can think of one from throne of eldraine like the crystal slipper it was an equipment yeah. uh it gave haste and first strike it, it just was haste? uh haste. it was an artifact equipment it was one in red um it gave haste and plus one plus zero uh, to the equipped creature, and I think equipped for one. Yeah. So not necessarily a, a horrible equipment, but if you were in top deck mode and happened to draw that with no creatures on the board, like how bad it's would you useless. feel? It sucks. If, yeah, like if you're behind, it's not doing oh, yeah. you any favors. <laughs> so you have to think about every card slot as being something that could potentially impact the game in a meaningful way. And if you're top decking or if you're behind, if you're drawing that card, how happy would you feel about it? Right? So. It's a rhetorical question, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that's a, that's an and that's an absolutely fantastic way to think about limited. Every card matters. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. that's how you should think about your deck in general. <laughs> but we don't. There's just so much more variance when it comes to this format. Yeah. And I mean, it, it like of course there's 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 kind of like two games that you're playing here. You're you're playing a game during the draft, trying to build your deck. And then you're playing a game when you're actually playing the game of magic, right? Right. Uh, sitting across the table from an opponent and trying to kill them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so bread, on the other hand, this is suggesting again that that bombs are better than removal and etc. But um, limited resources, they, they tend to stress that this is not necessarily the best way to think about it because everything in your draft uh, comes with a certain context about how you've currently built your pool up to that point you might find that okay you've already got a bomb you've already got uh ways to get to that bomb you've got a couple pieces of removal and now you get past a pack that has a bomb that's in uh, a splashable color and a piece of removal in your color that you could definitely use like what do you pick in that case so if you're considering the bread method you're going to go with the bomb right? right but that might not be the best uh, choice to make in this context because you might just want to focus on making the deck that you have even better by picking that piece of removal and yeah. and uh, picking a card that affects the board state. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. So it, bread bread can definitely be a good place to start, 
if you're looking at getting into limited, it's a simple acronym that that makes you think about okay, well, bombs are a good thing. Great, I'll I'll, I'll get more bombs into my deck, or I'll I'll focus on removal over evasion, things like that. But that might not be exactly what your deck is looking for at that point in time. Yeah, and you know it's. It... <laughs> It's sort of like, you know, if we think about only having one tool in your toolbox yeah. or th or thinking about this hierarchy of, of abilities, you know, so if we start with bombs, it's like you need to have more than, you know, you can't just use a hammer for yeah. every problem. No. So it, you're right. It is a great place to start off. But I think as you get better at playing limited mm -hmm. and, and actually drafting, you do you you're right it does become more about context and less about this you know bombs removal evasion abilities yeah. and definitely the more you draft uh you're gonna get the the skill of like card evaluation yeah um because that was a big thing definitely like me drafting a few years ago compared to me drafting now i do realize that i have the ability to like put together a deck that actually does things like every time I draft usually now yeah. mm -hmm. compared to like falling flat sometimes and stuff. And curve is a really big thing too, right? Curve's huge. That 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 context is really important because you might open a pack or you might get past a pack that has like a five drop that's, you know, a solid card and could easily win you the game, but you look at your curve and you've got four other five drops that could pull the same weight and your two drop slot is really light and you need that two drop that's just been passed to you as well, right? Yeah. So even though in a vacuum that five drop might be a little bit more powerful, that two drop's gonna win you more games just by making your curve a lot more consistent and mm -hmm. giving you things to do at every point in the game. Mm -hmm. Totally, and that's a really big thing to touch on because the curve, especially in limited, um, is something you're gonna wanna focus on as well. Reason For being sure. is in limited, we only, it's hard to do certain things. And so being able to actually be able to play cards on each turn. Exactly. Yeah. Can make a big difference oh, in yeah. your games. Yeah. If you curve out and limited, you're probably going to win that yeah. game. Exactly. <laughs> if you can play a card every turn and you're using up all of your mana, because usually cards that cost more mana are more powerful, are more, more powerful. of an impact. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then you were just going to be more ahead of the game. Because if you're playing a two, a three, and a four, and then your opponent has like a two drop, a two drop, and then a three drop, your cards are just gonna be more powerful and you're gonna yeah. have that edge on the game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, it's, and when I'm drafting, that's how I order my cards. I mean, that's not the only order I use, but, mm -hmm. but curve order like mana, CMC is, is part of that. Yeah. yeah. And one thing I like to touch on as well is like I got into this little hole of like I really need to play something every single turn. Um, and sometimes like especially the one CMC slot can be a little bit tricky because if you yeah, have a little bit absolutely. too much there, at late game when you draw that one CMC card, you're like, this sucks. That's yeah. a real crystal slipper situation. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's two CMC, but it's, <laughs> don't, don't. It's like, don't. <laughs> I need this. <laughs> no, but for sure, you, you, you want to consider that yeah, like at any point in the game, you could be in top deck mode, and do you really want to be top decking all those one drops? And there's some one drops that you'd say, yeah. Like if I if I was playing Mystery Booster and I cracked open a Mother of Runes, of course I'm yes. gonna want Mother of Runes. Oh yeah. yeah. Or a Swords to Plowshares. Yeah. yeah give me that card. Simple. Like come on, <laughs> come on, forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> now I want four. Yeah. <laughs> And then also like sometimes like certain abilities like I know there's been green creatures I don't know their names 
but it's like one green <laughs> for a one one with death touch that's sure. actually a really good creature even at the late game because it can be considered a removal spell Locus's yes. favor Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mogus's favor on the Moss Viper. Uh, move two attacks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but if you don't have the Mogus's favor, you just got. I just got. I'm just gonna escape it from my graveyard. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, escape is so good because you can just keep doing it. Yeah, I love Mogus's favor. It's great. And then, yeah, like touching again on like the just like kind of like the cards you're looking for. Um, removal is also a very big thing in limited. Yeah. Um, sure. yeah, it's, it's always good to like, there are some other strategies where you can like not worry, have to worry about removal possibly, but if you can like go for those, like there's always going to be some situation where your opponent has some really crazy threat that you just really need to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. And so having that answer to that is something really good. Yeah. Just a clean one for one. Never hurt nobody. Exactly. And sometimes as well, like talking about removal, you can think if you have like a few really good creatures in your deck. Um, your opponent's probably going to have removal as well. And so if there's a certain creature that you think is going to affect the board state more, sometimes it's not best to just like slam it out right away because if your opponent's holding up mana or something like that and you see that the colors that they're in, uh, they could be holding up more removal. Yeah. yeah. So that's always a thing to think about as well. Yeah, but that's during the game, Eric. Sorry, getting a little ahead of myself. <laughs> don't get too excited. Yeah. I always, I always take all the removal. I don't care what colors I'm in. I'm just like five color good stuff. <laughs> that's why I don't do great. Yeah, that's why you need to stop <laughs> But um, I want to talk a little bit about finding an open lane versus forcing a path. So we talked a little bit about cracking that first rare in your first pack. And wanting to, you know, dig your heels into the ground and stick to your guns and, and, and force yourself into that deck. It's hard not to. It's yeah. hard not to. It's very, very enticing to stick with your first pick, right? Because usually it's the most powerful card in the pack. And you're like, whoa, wow, yeah, this is amazing. Well, yeah, I did it. I made it. I, I made it. I got a deck. <laughs> Let's play. <laughs> but, but more often than not, that's not necessarily the right way to go. And um, uh, I didn't mention him earlier, but Ben Stark... He's another um, magic professional that uh, he has this method called um, playing or drafting the hard way, which is really evaluating each pack in its own right and seeing which cards are inherently more powerful and and assessing your state in the game and seeing like how does each pack and the cards available in, in there line up with what I have? Uh, and is it right to basically switch or, or or switch which lane I'm, I'm in to find that open lane. Uh, and, and more often than not, that will be the more rewarding uh, way to approach the game because, yeah. you know, blue might be wide open and you might be in green-red and uh, see all these blue cards, these great blue cards getting by, coming by, uh, like sixth pick, seventh pick, all these, you know, second, third pickable cards in blue um and you might want to switch at that point and then next thing you know it like the draft is everybody's just handing you the best blue cards yeah. in every deck and I've, I've definitely been in situations like that where i'm the only blue drafter at the table and i've just been handed everything and everything's wheeling and i'm just happy because <laughs> yeah. i've got exactly what i want it's pig, like pig it's and like, shit of a time. yeah it's like oh what do i want <laughs> what do I, do I want this uh thirst for meaning or do i want whatever other blue card that is really good. <laughs> 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 uh, 
And and sure enough, I pass it, and next thing you know, it wheeled, and it's like, oh, got my cake and or had my cake and got to eat it too. Yeah, yeah you're you're eating cake. And that's definitely one of the interesting things about draft as well. And I found it was I, I didn't get that right away, and it's really good to start thinking about that early on to like really pay attention to like all the cards in the packs always. Don't just like look at something and be like, oh, this is a cool card, take it. Like actually like read all the cards in the pack and see what they are and like pay attention to the colors. Because like you were saying, um, there could be situations where people are not in a color and they're just gonna keep passing those cards. And that yeah. can be a really advantageous, advantageous situation for yourself. Yeah, for sure. Wow, right. I'm learning a lot here. <laughs> I feel like I'm terrible at limited. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we talk a little bit about during the game? So we've drafted, we have our deck. Now let's talk a little bit about what we should do with that deck. <laughs> We're going to need some lands. <laughs> so Eric talked a little bit about it, but kind of measuring what you uh, have as far as removal against your opponent's threats. So the first game in the match, you're probably not going to know exactly what's in your opponent's deck. Yeah. But they might play a spicy bomb and you might be like, holy shit, well, I've already used my removal on that you know, tough creature, so maybe next round I'm going to want to save that for, for that threat uh, if it comes up. Yeah. So you really have to assess, you know, what resources do you have available, and they're limited. Hey. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, yeah, what resources do you have available to you to deal with your opponent's game plan? Uh, so maybe you can hold on to that removal and use your creatures in a way to double block a threat and have them trade down for a weaker creature and you know basically play out the game in a way that you're saving your removal for those opportunities where it matters most and really know your deck and know what outs you have because sometimes especially in Theros Beyond Death these games are very grindy and they they always tend to seem to either go to a draw or go to time or whatever yeah um, but know what outs you have because sometimes the best thing to do is just know when to concede and just move on to the next match because uh, you might not have another out, right? Yeah. You might have exhausted yeah. all of your graveyard and all of your escape cards and, uh, and you might not necessarily have a way to actually deal with your opponent's board in an effective way. Or if you're in a situation where your opponent has uh, a threat on the battlefield, you might be looking for a way to dig for an out that you have totally and even like as an example when we were uh the mystery booster draft i has i was at a game my opponent had one really bad threat and i had like five cards left in the deck in my deck yeah. and i knew i hadn't gone pat the exile yet so i was like this card's coming up and of course next draw have the path get the creature out of there and end up winning the game yeah and it's just like Instead of feeling like you're in a situation where you may just like lose anyways, like remember what's in your deck is a really big thing. Yeah, and even if you have that murder in your hand, it doesn't mean you need to play it on turn three. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Play out more creatures, just get a board presence going. See, you know, don't be afraid to take a few hits. Like, use your life total as a resource. You have 20 health. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you can, just take a few hits, try to get a little bit of a board presence. Maybe you can set up some um, favorable blocks so that your opponent stops attacking you. Uh, you don't have to jump straight to using your premium removal because that is exactly that. It's premium. Um, Especially it's, if it's foil. <laughs> there you go. 
Yeah, if you've got a foil murder, you gotta hold on. Don't, to that. Don't, you just, don't, you may not even want to cast throw it. Throw it away. Just throw it yeah. away. Come on. Speaking of removal as well, um, another thing to think about in limited is because how the matches work out and like creatures are a big thing. Um, spells that pump up creatures, you can kind of see them as a removal spell. Because if you know you're going to be having, like you've got a lot of creatures in your deck, yeah. a spell that gives your creature like plus three, plus two, or like plus two, plus O oh, and um, first strike, like those are really good spells because your opponent sees on the board that they have a good attack and they're going to attack in, and then you can be in an advantageous spot to block and then pump up your creature and your creature survives and theirs dies. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah it, it definitely can be a form of removal, but you have to kind of walk a thin line there in, in the sense that... Because, again, you like you were saying before, yeah. yeah. If, if your opponent has mana up and they have an instant speed removal spell, they might just see it as an opportunity to take that two-for-one and make you lose both your cards. And as well, you don't want to take too many of these cards again because late game, if you're top-decking, yeah, you draw a spell that only targets a creature... Feels bad. Yep, for sure. <laughs> yeah, you definitely want to make sure you have a, a, a density of creatures or, or things that, you know, affect the board state. I think that's also something kind of people fall into is that they just, like, sometimes pick really good spells and stuff, and then sometimes uh, when you're done the draft, you're like, oh, I only have, like, seven or eight, like, good creatures. Yeah. And that's kind of light on the creature end for limited. For sure. Very light. <laughs> that's very light. Very yeah. Light. <laughs> <laughs> and now you've caught yourself in kind of a, a bad position because your opponent's going to be playing those creatures. So you're like, I'm going to collect myself. I have seven or eight creatures. I'm going to drop from the tournament. And I'm going to go to my car and collect myself. I'm going to go cry alone. <laughs> this is me collecting myself. <laughs> Uh, but, it may even seem a little silly to talk about as well, but using your mana wisely. Yeah. If you're um, using up more of your resources, I think we kind of touched on this, but if you are using up more of your resources, playing bigger stuff or more things compared to, if I have like a couple two drops and it's turn five and then I have like a three drop, that's a bad example. Turn four, we can play <laughs> a three drop and like maybe not use out of the mana or we have two two drops that we could play that might make more effect on the board at the current moment than just playing the three drop. Um, it At that moment, it could be like, if that three drop's really good, maybe you do want to get it on the board. But sure. that's really where you have to assess things, like using up all your mana sometimes can get you in a better situation. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just being efficient is, is important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. All right, well, what about after the game? I'm um, collecting myself. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin's already scooped. He's, he's done. He's in the car. He's crying. A, a big thing about after the game as well, like we, we talked a little bit about at the very top of the episode about sideboards. Yeah. And so if you play your first round and you can kind of like, you have some sort of takeaways, the interesting part about limited is that all the cards you either draft or have from your sealed pool are part of what you can use at any point in time. So unlike constructed where it's like you have a deck and you have to have that deck as it is, at round one, every single time you go to a different match. In sealed, you can willy-nilly change all the cards whenever you want. So you can just totally change your deck. You don't have to reformat it to the way you built it as first go. In constructed, do you have to revert your deck back to what it was when you sat down for your first round? Yes. Before you sideboarded? The 60-card deck that you have said you're playing with, yeah. that has to be the way it is when you play round one. Every okay. single time. I did not know that. 
Because sometimes I've... people forget or, you know, yeah, like, no, I'm not doing it intentionally and like yeah. I don't. I'm pretty vigilant, but people will be like, oh, I forgot to take that out of my deck. They don't sound like that, but. <laughs> There's that, um, the first modern tournament I went to when I was like first getting into modern, I didn't revert my deck. I got a deck check and I got an instant game loss. Oh, wow. Oh. Yeah. Ouch. So that's actually, you will get penalized and that's the actual penalization for not having the deck that you said you are bringing to game one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So. Did not know that. <laughs> yeah. Obviously. Of course, sideboarding is an important piece if you're if you're doing it between rounds, um, trying to get a little bit of an edge over your opponent in the match. But once even like once everything's said and done and like you're done the tournament and you're going home for the day, reflecting on how it went is really important. Of course, you want to kind of see what went well, what didn't go so well. What kind of rotted in your hand um, as you played your games? Like what you didn't actually get to play and or see, you know, uh, how well it actually worked out because it just sat there. Yeah. It just probably didn't work out too well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At like long term, uh, it might be the, the most important thing. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But it, it's kind of one of those things that you kind of have to take with a grain of salt because it's just one tournament, right? It's just like you're one little blip of data in the whole sea of magic limited right yeah, yeah. so there's still some key things that you want to be cautious about tweaking or altering as you move forward like, like if you say to yourself i'm never gonna play again because i did so bad yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm hey, saying, like, maybe don't do that yeah <laughs> no like going home and saying okay i got milled out Maybe I should play 45 cards. Don't do that. Uh, be cautious about that. Okay? <laughs> uh, or I just flooded out in two of my three games. Uh, maybe I should play 14 lands instead of 17. Uh, don't, don't do, do that. that. <laughs> um, so there, there's definitely those tried and true things that people smarter than I have settled on as this is kind of the way you should do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, to give yourself the best edge possible. Yeah, yeah. And you don't you don't mess around with that too much. Uh, if you want to get a little frisky with the numbers, uh, you know, help yourself. But like, just just try to stick to the. Yeah, and I, I totally agree that this these are numbers that have been determined by scores of data. Yeah. Oh yeah, and the this, numbers are there. The math is done. It's just don't don't stray too far from it. You have like a one. You know, when it comes to lands and limited, you've got like one you got like one slot that you that you can fluctuate between maybe two and it, yeah. and the, and that that maybe two really depends on that particular limited format yeah like that in, particular limited set yeah if you're playing cube and you you open you know two mocks in uh then sure cut a land <laughs> cut, cut, yeah. yeah yeah like um they're basically lands right so yep <laughs> but Test your findings. If you if you want to try something a little bit different, don't necessarily jump to conclusions, but test things out. See how it goes. If that goes any better, then you might be onto something. If not, then just try to stick to the basics. Come back to the roots. Focus on you know those cards that affect the board state, and try to just draft a simple, uh, straightforward deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another thing, like in between rounds, <clears throat> um, I found like here, and I'm sure a lot of other people know that like. Uh, whatever LGS you're at, the people working there are usually like really friendly. And if you really had just like a really bad game one and you don't know maybe what went wrong or something, like don't 
feel like you can't talk to anybody or or other players or other players like if you maybe people are just like hanging on chatting you know you're like hey i just have this question and a lot of people will just like you know openly talk to you and like help you out um because magic is a complicated game yeah for sure yeah and i love talking to people about you know different choices they can make or talking to them about how to evaluate a card or what should be cut for this certain situation things like that yeah so as another player to a newer player um, I'm more than happy to help because, yeah, exactly that. Magic yeah. is complicated, so it's always it's always interesting to talk about these scenarios. Yeah, and and in terms of magic being complicated, uh, you know, don't don't feel bad about calling a judge. No, yeah. sure. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, calling a judge shouldn't be a negative thing. Uh, it should definitely be something that we see as kind of like a learning opportunity or something that newer players should feel like it's a normal thing to do just to get an outside perspective and, and uh, get a more objective standpoint uh, on where things sit in the game. Yeah, and the, and the thing about calling a judge is, you know, you, you call a judge because you're, you're, there's a misunderstanding or you're not really understanding what the interaction is at that point in time so that going forward, you do understand and you can inform other players, right? So it's, it's, it is a positive thing overall, Yeah, calling a judge. Sure. And even in some situations, some people who play a lot of Magic, maybe they're not good at explaining how things work, but Absolutely. they know how they work, yeah, right? Yeah. And so they can't explain that to you, and you still don't understand. So still calling a judge at that point, there's nothing wrong with that because no, they yeah. can explain what's going on. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're not you're not tattling. Although yeah. it does feel good to be like judge, teacher, <laughs> uh, teacher, you forgot to assign us homework. <laughs> It's like, okay, we're, we're going to beat him. <laughs> All right, well, why don't we talk a little bit about some pros and cons of the limited format? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Mm. Uh, so <laughs> I think one of the ultra overarching pros that I have is that you don't have to buy a bunch of expensive format staples. Oh, for sure. It's, very, oh, yeah. it's a very yeah. affordable format to play, especially draft. Yeah. It can get expensive if you're doing it... You know, on MTGO, and you're doing it over and over and over again. Oh, sure. But if you're just going to FNM once a week, you know, 15 bucks. Yeah, 15 not, bucks a week. Not that bad. You, and you, you get entertainment you get, for like, I like to put it as like, you know, $15, four hours of your time. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a great way to, to think about it. Like you might even and come out get, ahead. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. You mean, get cards to take home. Don't necessarily put money on it. Like, I've definitely had drafts go south and, you know not necessarily crack anything worth of any value. So it's not (laughs) necessarily what you're there for, but it it definitely happens, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, One pro that I really like about Limited is it's probably one of the most even playing fields as far as the resources available to you uh, between other players because you're all working from the same pool of cards, so to speak. Uh, So it really comes down to a little bit of variance in the packs, but but mostly the the skill that you develop over time from from playing limited. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, it's not like you know I've got a thousand dollars to spend on I'm gonna net deck a, this. a modern deck that you know I'm just gonna stomp you. You just have ground. to spend yeah. more than that, but yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, standard standard's not quite that expensive. Maybe Pioneer. Pioneer a thousand bucks. That's unreasonable. Oh, that's a good one. No, there, there are there's like a deck or two. Oh yeah. yeah. So I guess my point is, is like it's not necessarily all focused around how much resources you have available to you, 
uh, because it's it it's a pretty even playing field, or at least as even as you can get. I think so. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, that's that's probably one of the the biggest things I also really enjoy about the limited format is just like the playing field that you're on, um, and even speaking about like doing cubes. That's really fun because there's a certain power level that's kind of like situated, and there's sometimes a lot of different like really cool niche interactions that you get that you really don't get with other things. Yeah, and it's just like a really interesting, fun time. Another pro of limited is that it's probably the most prolific event at stores. Yeah, so you can always find uh, like if you if you want to play Magic, and you don't have a lot of uh, sounds silly, but if you don't have a lot of friends, right, you can go and play magic at a store. Like a store sure. near you will be doing an F and M. They'll be and it's and it's often draft. Yeah, so you yeah. know you have something that you can go to. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, like we said, they're they're always friendly people there. Yeah, you can make some friends. Yeah. Also, even like, if you call a judge, <laughs> even if you call a judge, judge. your judge could be your friend. <laughs> you could, your judge could be your friend. Yeah, and this is like not as often, but the set releases are usually a always a big event and so if you really oh, yeah. want something to look forward to and have like a really good time and like just like a lot of things going on um yeah the pre-release events i i think are always really fun yeah and then the following weekend is draft weekend yeah right you always get to play with those new fresh cards right away uh and then sometimes places even gather together and they do bigger events and stuff and you could have like little dice rolling games or like other other kind of things like that so now we yeah. have jumpstart coming up so you can do that in between your oh your, yeah uh Totally. Your, your, your matches yeah. is the yeah. word I was looking for. Yeah, why not? <laughs> uh, a big pro that I really enjoy is that it is basically two games in one, right? For right. draft. You've got your draft, and then you've got your matches, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that, that, that's one of the reasons I, I... like. Magic is so fun because there's two different aspects of magic. There's the deck building side, and there's the playing side. And I love both of those things. So when you put them into one format and force you to not only pick pick pieces of a deck and put it all together and then play with that, it's it's everything I want. That is by f and this might be a hot take, but that is by far my favorite part of draft yeah. and limited is the deck building. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I, think I, lo I love playing Magic, but I I'm I'm really a, a brewer. Yeah, it's really fun to like see cards coming by. You know, you're like building a deck on the spot that you're going to be playing with. Like, yeah. there's really nothing else. It's really cool because there really is nothing else like that. If we look at Magic, even as a card game, no, there's no absolutely. other uh, TCGs, CCGs that do something like Magic does with the draft format. In in a in a single pack. Yeah. Right, and and they like they design these sets to be drafted. Yeah. yeah. So because if we're talking about the right. other like big popular ones like Yu-Gi-Oh and also like Pokemon, they don't have like a way to draft the cards mm -hmm. in like a set. But Magic has designed the game in a way that you can actually do that, yeah. which yeah. is really cool. Yes, and like Hearthstone does do like Arena, yeah, but that's not it's it's not the same way that Magic does it from a pack of cards from a single set. Like Arena is spread over multiple sets, and you're not drafting against other people, so it's a very different format. Yeah. Even like playing Magic Arena drafts because those are not, you're not picking cards against other people, it's bots. Yep. That is a very different feeling still than when you're drafting on MTGO of or at a store. Yeah. It yeah. really makes a difference. Yeah, it does. Sure. Yeah. Well, what about some cons? What, what are some things that are 
less favorable about the limited format. Variance. Yeah, sometimes it just doesn't work. I really yeah. feel sometimes like I'm like I'm playing 16 lands. That's it because I flood out so often. Yeah. It happens <laughs> to me a lot and I get really just Sure, get out of, of here. course. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like I'm, this is not happening to me again today. No. <laughs> like <laughs> um, sometimes when you're looking at the the set as a whole, um, different strategies or different color combinations can have uh, a certain imbalance to them. Mm-hmm. So you're thinking about something like the Guilds of Ravnica draft format. Uh, you found in, in that set that Selesnya was just terrible. It was impossible to draft a good Selesnya deck. Unless you got only like green and white cards, the whole thing, and you got your absolute pick <laughs> from, from, the, <laughs> from the pool... Uh, and everything like the stars aligned. Yeah, like Selesnya was difficult to draft because it, it just wasn't quite there. Yeah, um, or even like through War of the Spark, you look at the color white. Um, white was just mm-hmm. medium. Yeah. to to like not there at all. But on the flip side, like Theros Beyond Death, um, white is actually quite strong in this format. Like I I think it's one of the best support colors in in this format. Yeah, it's really good as like a support color. There's just a lot of good things in it that can yeah. help out a lot of other strategies. And, and I think it really depends on on how strong the commons are in a set that really determines um, how how synergistic and, and how playable those colors and strategies are. Because that's the vast majority of what makes up your limited deck. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. One of my picks for white cards and Theros is a Flicker of Fate. Okay, yeah. that's a really good card. If you have cards that have ETBs, you get them again and again. Like removal is a really big thing in limited. Yeah. You can flicker fit your creature and it fizzles the removal. Or you um, you put a dreadful apathy on somebody's creature. Then uh, when you have the mana, you activate dreadful apathy to exile that creature. But in response to the activation, you flicker or fade it, put it on another creature, and then that creature that was previously enchanted gets exiled. Whoa. Yeah. Fancy. (laughs) I like it. Oh, no. no. My seal for Theros Beyond Death, I had, it worked out like once, but I did, I was black, white, and we had Gary, and we had Flicker of Fates, and we were just going to. Oh, God. (laughs) That's so dirty. (laughs) Sometimes uh, in Limited, those bombs, those mythic level bombs that, I mean, they don't show up too often. Sometimes they just feel unbeatable. Or in the case of, you know, Theros Beyond Death, like if somebody gets a Dream Trawler, which is just rare, uh, that thing is, if you've ever versed it, it is impossible. It's great. It's, it's, it's just brutal. <laughs> it's, it's drawing them cards. It's protecting itself. It's getting big. It's a flyer. It's lifelinking, so it's swinging the race in their favor. It's just impossible to beat. Lifelink in Limited is just incredible. Lifelink flying that can give itself hexproof and draws cards? Yeah, that's yeah, well, Yeah, with all the other stuff, <laughs> it makes it better for sure. Also, like, I'll never forget, but like in Amonkhet, those gods, oh my god. Oh, yeah. They're even in War of the Spark with the gods that put themselves third from the top. Yeah, even like, though like they just don't go away. Yeah, because you'd exile them. And exiling <laughs> means removed from the game. But they're like, they no, go back in the, the, I'm the going to the library. It doesn't make any sense. Oh, that's a whole other <laughs> rant. <laughs> I was so done with Kefnet. <laughs> Kefnet uh, from War of the Spark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yes, a bomb. Yes, yeah. It's a bomb. All right, everybody. Well, we are going to 
bring this episode to a close. And we'd like to thank Riley for being on the show again and sharing his limited expertise with us. Again. I got <laughs> it was fun talking about limited. Again. again. <laughs> uh, Forrest Gump, what a great movie. Yeah, it's classic. <laughs> Uh, Riley, how can we find you on social media? I know how to find you, but how can they find you? Uh, well, if they want to find me, <laughs> um, Twitter, you can find me at Riles Dayton. And on Instagram, you can find me at Riley underscore Dayton. That's right. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Command Beacon. And Eric, where can folks find you? I do also have an Instagram account. It's nerd underscore Eric's E-R-Y-X. Nice. Uh, and before you hop to the next episode... Go ahead and check out all the links in the show notes, including the one for our March giveaway. And thank you all for listening. Thank you all for being here and stay safe out there. See you around. Yeah, wash your damn hands. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, like, wash, seriously. Wash your hands. Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't go outside. Don't leave your house. Please don't. Riley, what what are you what's your PSA? Uh did, what what they said. <laughs> <laughs> Turn one soul ring.